Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth through adoption, foster, and kinship care. Hosted by an adoptive mom with over 22 years of kinship and adoptive parenting experience, she's on this journey with you. Please welcome Sandra Flack. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. That is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. I am your host, Sandra Flack. Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. I am grateful to be with you today. Happy May. Uh, all month, we will be focusing on foster care for Foster Care Awareness Month. We have some amazing guests lined up, um, including a returning guest today. But first, some announcements. Natalie Vecchione of the FASD Hope Podcast and Sandra Flack of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey Podcast would like to invite you to join their Hope for the FASD Journey a virtual support community for parents and caregivers raising individuals with an FASD, diagnosed or not. This faith-based community includes an online bi-monthly support group, a monthly VIP conversation, and a private Facebook group which includes a video devotional from Natalie and Sandra every Saturday. To register, visit justicefororphansny.org forward slash training forward slash F-A-S-D. And I've got some online workshops coming up on Thursday, May 11th, so right around the corner at 1 p.m. Eastern time. I will be leading a free lunch and learn introduction to F-A-S-D. And on Wednesday, May 24th at 7 p.m. Eastern, I'll be doing a three-hour deep dive into FASD um, using the FACETS neurobehavioral model. Also, if you want to go really deep, coming up starting June 1st, Thursday, June 1st, uh, will be the first of six three-hour sessions at 7 p.m. Eastern time. It will be a six-week deep dive into FASD, um, six three-hour sessions, also using the FACETS neurobehavioral model. We offer certificates of completion for all of our workshops. And if you're a social worker licensed in New York, we now offer CEUs as well. To register for any of these workshops um, or to check out any or all of our workshops, you can go to our website, justicefororphansny.org. It's a little bit confusing. We're going to be cleaning up the website to fix this. But right now, if you're interested in registering for one of the workshops that I mentioned that we have scheduled, you would click on events and you'll find those there. But for all of our FASD training, click on the training tab at the top of the page and the drop down menu, you will see uh, FASD and then you can click there to get and see all of our resources. Um, So if there's something that you're looking for, or if you're looking for um, an online or in-person training to come to you or your group or organization, uh, we can do that too. So you can check it all out there. There's a link to our website in the show notes. um, So you can find out all of that information easily there. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a single episode and so that other adoptive foster and kinship caregivers can easily find the show and be encouraged and equipped too. So today we have with us Angela Paganelli. Angela is the founder of Foster Blessings, a church-based ministry serving uh, local foster and kinship families. She's also the author of the upcoming book of the same name, Foster Blessings, and the creator of the Foster Blessings blog and the support group Fostering Conversations. Um, And I also just found out and can't wait to talk to her about this. um, She's also the creator of All In, a special needs children's church curriculum. I'm thinking that that is definitely an invaluable resource right there. Um, She's also the host of 
Fostering Our Faith podcast. She has spent time in her uh, teen years in foster care, and now having fostered over 20 kids herself, adopting twice, including two kiddos with special needs, she gets the system more than most. Can't wait to unpack all of the above with her. Please welcome Angela Paganelli. Hey, Angela. Hey, Sandra. It is so great to be here. It is wonderful to have you back on the show. You were a guest, gosh, a few years ago at least. Um, can't remember exactly when, but at that time, I think your ministry fostering blessings was fairly new. I had heard about heard about you on the Sound of Life radio um, network and wanted to reach out and got an interview with you back then. But goodness, since then, you're doing all kinds of amazing things. Um, so I can't wait to talk about all that you're doing. But first, because I feel like our listeners need an update, just um, would you share with us the story behind why you are so passionate about serving children and families in the foster care community? Absolutely. So my foster care journey actually started when I was a teenager. And so I'm going to kind of paint a picture here for you. Uh, Frozen. The first couple minutes of Frozen are just powerful. And I think it needs to come with a trigger warning because I'm sitting in the theater and I'm realizing that my 13-year-old self um, was getting put into care with my sister. And I'll tell you the reason behind that in a little bit. Um, But we're going into care. And we're going from the gutter to Bel Air. And as we go into this house, and it's it's our aunt and uncle, we're familiar with them. But as we're going in, things are already changing, just walking into the house. And one of the things that happened that night was my aunt said, bedtime. And, you know, we didn't do bedtime. <laughs> you know, the TV was <laughs> on, it wasn't dark. There was, you know, there was always something going on. And we just fell asleep whenever our bodies wanted to fall asleep, usually on the couch or, you know, whatever. And so, you know, I'm in sheer panic mode at this point. So I go to my sister and I said, okay, sleep against my wall. And so, you know, I hear her moving furniture in her room and we just kind of slept, you know, against that sheetrock that night, kind of envisioning that we were together. So watching the first couple minutes of Frozen, and just seeing like as they're like, you know, behind each door and just that connection. Mm-hmm. And and the problem was parentification, really. And we watch as, you know, Elsa is becoming this monster, essentially, but she's still trying to protect Anna. And that's what was happening in my life as I go into care. You know, I'm I'm getting arrested. I'm in psych wards. I'm totally tearing down my sister. But in the same sense, I have this sense of like protection that I have to give her. And so that is those first couple of days of us being in care is really like what I'm what just brings out my entire passion for this and what it's supposed to look like and how we're supposed to get into the lives of you know of the foster parents who've never done this before you know they don't know what it feels like and so having that experience I think gives me a platform to speak about you know hey this is what they're feeling this is they might be scared you know that dog might scare them we have to think about that you want to lock the dog up you know that kind of thing so um yeah that's that's really where it all began Wow. So how long were you in care for? So so you're the, you were the older sibling. You had a younger sibling. Yep. I was 13. She was five. At the time we came into care, we were, once again, living in a shelter. And I loved living in shelters, which was like secret thoughts because like nobody should love living in shelters. But I didn't have the parentification when I was there. You know, like the, the staff essentially took over. And so we were living in a shelter <clears throat> and my mother was very... She was very ill, but she never sat like she was very busy at all times. And so and now I know, like, you know, she was running from trauma. And in order to not face the trauma, you have to go and go and go. And so that's what she was doing. So this one particular day, she said, "Okay, guys, I'm going to run to the doctor. I'll be back. And I'll never forget it because she wouldn't leave us in a place that was dangerous. Like she just wouldn't. So I knew something was off. And a couple hours later, my aunt and uncle are walking up the walkway. And I just knew like something, something had happened. Turns out she had gone into a coma while she was driving. And um, she was now in a, uh, I'm sorry, she had a stroke and she was now in a drug induced coma. And so we went to live with them and they said, yes, that morning they were sitting at their table, drinking their coffee, reading the paper, had no idea they were going to be parents at 60 years old to not only my five-year-old sister, but 
my 13 year old self who had no structure, no anything. Um, and so I ended up like, I can kind of tell that story a little bit uh, in a little bit, but essentially I ended up being in care my entire teen years until I was an adult. Wow. So no, you didn't get adopted or no, my sister didn't either. No, she stayed, she yeah. stayed with my aunt and uncle. Um, but she, yeah, she was never adopted. Wow. Now, did you stay with your aunt and uncle or did that get disrupted? So, <laughs> and, um, okay. So I'm 13 years old. I'm sitting in science class and my <clears throat> mother is essentially dying. I'm not really realizing that, you know, I'm kind of thinking like, she's going to get out. We're going to be together, but it, you know, but I definitely have no hope. There's no hope in this situation. And my science teacher says, okay, I want you to hold up your hand. And on the side of your hand, there's a bone sticking out. And that bone means you're growing a sixth finger, which means evolution is true. And I just sat there and I was like, I'm a clump of cells. That's what I am. I am an accident. If the, if the cosmos was an accident, I am an accident. And so from that day on, I just spiraled completely. Um, like I said, like arrests, psych wards, was very it was a three-year period of just destruction um and i can tell one story was i met a group of older guys with a friend of mine who had the sense to go home i didn't um i met them that day and they were like you want to go to a party sure i go to a party and i just remember feeling very dizzy and like almost like tired and i woke up the next morning no idea what happened no idea where I was. I had to go to a neighbor's house and find out where I was to have somebody come pick me up because there's no Google in these days and just humiliating. And so I think that was like the beginning of like the breakdown of like, okay, I, I have to change. Like something has to give. Mm. And um, mm. so got picked up from there. About two weeks later, I knew that my aunt and uncle went out of town at the same time every year. And I just wanted a bed. I wanted some food. So I took a boulder and I just tossed it through their downstairs French doors and broke in. Um, I ended up catching the vacuum on fire because I was trying to vacuum up the glass. Um, destroyed the house. I mean, just destroyed the house. And then I left a note. I'm like, sorry about the mess. Love you, Angie. I don't know why I would do that. But <laughs> I was uh, arrested for the last time uh, after that. And I was before the same judge in Dutchess County where I have adopted my own children. And... He said, okay, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you an option. You can go to juvie until you're 18, or you can do this one-year program up in Lake Mutt, New York. And I'm like, well, time-wise, yeah, I'm going to do the year rather than the, you know, two years. And so that started a whole other journey of being institutionalized from the age of 16 to 19. Wow. And that was not a Christian type facility that was. Um, okay. So this is what it was. It was a cult. It was 100% a cult. Um, it's now been shut down. There's tons of lawsuits. It's it's a mess. But the one thing, Christians can disagree about a lot of stuff, but the one thing you can't disagree about is the cross. And their their belief on the cross was spot on, like 100%. A lot of the other stuff was, was way out there. I mean, I had no contact with the outside world, no radio, no TV, no magazines, nothing while I was there the whole three years, three and a half years. And I actually left there and went to 579 looking for wide leg jeans. And they were like, they don't exist anymore. So like, <laughs> like total culture shock, right? Um, but one of the Sundays I'm there and Mercy came running by Philip, Philip's Craig and Dean was playing. And I, I heard about the veil being torn. And I, I grew up in a um, Catholic religion. And I remember like, you know, I, I would go to confession and I'd come out, I'd stub my toe, like curse in my head or whatever. I'd be like, do I go back? Like, how, how does this work? What do I do? Like, is this, is this going to stick, you know, for the whole week? And nobody could ever answer me. And so when I heard that song talking about the veil being torn, and then the sermon was about, you know, Jesus was now our high priest. We come directly to him. And it was just like, it was as if I was the only one in the room. And wow. he said, and then he started talking about how you are a, a daughter he wants, he, God wants you to be his daughter, daughter of the king. And me being an orphan at this point, because my mother had actually kidnapped me from my father and I didn't know who he was. Um, I, I had no, I, that was what I wanted more than anything in life. I wanted to be a daughter mm -hmm. and I could not get to that altar fast enough. I like literally ran up the altar and wow, um, total life changed you know, in that moment. 
like light to darkness or yeah, uh, darkness to light, just 100%. And it was changed my life forever. Wow, such an incredible story. Um, so from there, you get out of there, what happens next? So I met my former husband at the village. Um, he had been there about a year. He was like a one of those power people, like just super Christian, like, you know, and us together, we were like the power couple. Um, we were dating what they call their dating, uh, which is talking permission for about three months. And he went home on a visit for his sister's wedding. And he came back with an unapproved haircut, which then broke up our relationship. We could no longer talk for like 10 weeks or something like that. And in this time, I was um, starting to open an orphanage in the Ukraine. I was like learning the language. I was, you know, my paperwork was getting done. And this was my, this was my life mission was I was going to go to the Ukraine and work in the orphanages. And um, he came to me after the 10 weeks and I'm, I'm all excited. You know, I'm like, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm like so excited. This is, you know, what God has for me. And he said, I'm leaving Freedom Village and I want you to go with me. And I wrestled for days. I wrestled, wrestled. Finally, I said, okay, I'm going to go with you. And, you know, the pastor said to me, he said, if you, if he couldn't even respect your relationship enough over a haircut, how do you think he's going to treat your marriage, your relationship? And that did give me pause, but I ended up leaving anyway. And uh, about mm, three days, uh, three or four days later, we were in his pastor's office and we were living together because now I'm an aged out youth. So now, not only have I been in foster care, now I'm an aged out youth. I have no skills. I have no money. I have nothing. So I'm living with him. And the pastor says, the only way we can remedy this is if you get married. So next day, I'm in his office in a you know pantsuit, and we have a birthday cake that says congratulations. And we were married in the state of New York and in the eyes of God. And I I loved being a wife. I did. We got our own little apartment. I mean, it was it was awesome. And then I became pregnant. I was really excited about having, you know, a baby, uh, very active in the church. Uh, we both were. Uh, Rachel is about six, uh, four months old. She's about four months old. And I go out to uh, shop with his mom one day and I bought him a 25 cent key ring and, you know, thought it was cool. It was his brain. He's always losing his keys. And so I presented to him when I got home that night. And when I tell you he flipped out, like I, I didn't know what was going on literally packed his stuff and left over a key ring. And so for like two weeks, I'm trying to get a hold of him. Our pastor is, I have no food, rent's coming up. I have no car. Um, so the church actually got me a, a minivan, had like holes in the floor and, but it ran, you know, got me from point A to point B. They got this food. I mean, they were just 100% the church showed up and he shows up on my doorstep about two weeks later. And he's like, okay, let's talk. And it all came out that he had been having multiple affairs. Um, drugs i mean all of it just uh, i was told i mean he was working overtime tons of overtime so i'm like you know okay well we must be good on money and you know everything's fine and completely oblivious um but the overtime wasn't being worked he was actually with whoever he was with at that time and um it broke me you know and i'm like okay god I i'm serving you i'm loving you i this is insane so a couple months go by and <laughs> His sister actually introduced me to my current husband. She's like, I, I think you guys would be great together. And for whatever reason, Guy, my first husband, did not like Rick. Um, Rick has a past. His story is cool. He's got a cool story. Um, but Guy did not like him. And so I'm at work one day with Rachel and police show up with a white car. And they were there to take Rachel away. Because he had made the allegation that I was going to kill myself. I was going to kill Rachel. Meanwhile, I'm in a great place now. I got a job. I got a new car. Like, life is great. <laughs> right? If I was going to, like, kill myself, it definitely wouldn't have been at that point. Um, and so, I ended, there was nothing I could do. They took her out of my arms, put her into the car. And so, when I think of, like, birth parents, because I went home that night sobbing. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, oh, my gosh. The lack of control and power that you have when your child is literally taken out of your arms and there's a man standing there with a gun and if you don't comply, it's not going to go well. Like, it is 
so painful like so painful mm. you know so a lot of times when i hear people say like oh we're getting a placement and people are like congratulations i'm like why are we saying congratulations yeah what if, yeah how could we celebrate yeah, this why, why are we yeah. excited i don't know what's happening um so it is um it's a very powerful she was only in care for like two weeks and, and the judge had a field day with him he had a field day because Everything that he had put on the table was being unfounded. Plus, he was behind child support. So, I mean, there was like just bam, 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 like being knocked down, being knocked down. And so, um, so that's that's a huge part of of foster blessings too is reaching out mm -hmm. to birth parents, right? Like this is I, I don't want to preach to the choir because you know eighty six percent of people that do foster care say it's because of faith. So, like getting the birth parents, that's a huge thing, you know, to to yeah. minister to them and you know, hey, I've been there and it's really bad and you can do this, you know, like have somebody in your corner saying you can do this. Next step, do the next step, do the next step, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. So you went on to you went on to marry Rick. Right. And then at some point, you guys became foster parents because you have you are doing that and you've adopted kids. So tell us that part of your story. Yep. So we talked about doing foster care a lot. Um, I think every couple probably breaches this conversation in, in their relationship. And one day a woman walked up to me at church and she said, I had a dream that you had a little boy. And I was like sick to my stomach because we were dealing with infertility. We had three kids, but we really wanted a big family. And I was just like sick about this comment. A couple of weeks later, you know, we're back under the foster care conversation. And I just Googled Dutchess County foster care. And the name that came up was the woman who had said that to me in church. And she was the foster care liaison between the birth parents and the foster parents in Dutchess County. And <laughs> I was like, like, even now as I tell it, I have like goosebumps and I'm like, yeah, you know, and I was just like, oh God, okay. I'm sorry for that little bit of bitterness I had there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, got to walk that back. Um, and so, you know, I gave her a call. She gave me the number and they had a packet in my mail within like two days that we, you know, wow. to a drawer and it stayed there <laughs> and we just would take it out and fill it out and put it back in the drawer um, then my sister-in-law said, Hey, you want to go to a concert tonight? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, um, it was John Waller while I'm waiting mm -hmm. and yep. the entire conference was about adoption and foster care. And I just sat there sobbing and I went home and I'm like, Rick, we got to do this. And he's like, I know, I just don't like paperwork, <laughs> you know? And so, <laughs> so that we ended up in the classes and, um, you know, having to tell the, the leaders like, you know, about our pasts, um, they were like, that's who we want. You know, we want the people that are going to be able to relate, you know? Um, yeah. And so that was that was our journey into foster care. Wow. So you've fostered how many kids do you think so far? Um, so our home is now closed, which I wrote that email over and over and over again. I just I did not want to send it. But I, I know I know we are exactly where God wants us to, to be. Um, we have had over 20 foster kids um, over a seven and a half year span and our, our four adoptions out of the four adoptions two of them have special needs um, one is on the spectrum and one was born with neonatal abstinence syndrome which is he was born addicted to I mean everything it probably FASD too I'm, I'm gonna go there from stories that I've sure. heard from grandma um, and uh, it has been life-altering with especially mm -hmm. the one with NAS. I mean, you know, 20 foster kids. I did childcare pretty much my whole young adult life. You know, I have my own biological children. I've never met a child like this ever, mm. ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the lack of disconnect between mm -hmm. like, you know, he burnt his arm on the air fryer pretty severely. And like two days later, he's playing with the air fryer. You know, like there is just, yep. there's a block that is not getting yeah. through. Um and so, you know, just the 24-7 care that he needs, you know, we can't just leave him with anybody because if you look at your phone, yep. he's out the window and down at the pond, you know. So, like, you know, we, there's not very many people we trust to, to babysit him, you know. And so it's changed the dynamic of our marriage, you know, because mm -hmm. we can't just go out to dinner like we used to, you know, and we can't right. just, you know, go to a friend's house. Like, we're not really invited to many places because, you know, mm -hmm. we are just super vigilant. And so, um, but I mean, would we change anything? not no no <laughs> not even you know and, and people say like well what if you could go back and i'm like i'd still do it like that's that's yeah. you know it's it's 
crazy sometimes, but I'm like, I, I would absolutely in a heartbeat. We love them so much, you know, and, and they are just, they're it for us. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. So, you know, you're fostering, you're in this space and you see a need to support foster families. At least I'm guessing that's how you got to start Foster Blessings. So share with us about establishing that ministry. What do you guys do? So it started at 11 o'clock on a Friday night. We got a placement, little two and a half year old girl. And I, I have permission to share this um, from her uh, adoptive mother. And she was so upset. She had just been to the hospital. She had gotten sick on the way to our house on her hospital clothes. She was so upset that all she was doing was <laughs> like, she wasn't even crying anymore. Aww. Right. Try to put her in bed. That wasn't happening. You know? So I just sat in our living room with her, just kind of like rubbing her hair, you know, and she fell asleep and we just stayed like that till morning. And I wake up the next morning and I look down and there's bugs in her hair, like lice a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just, uh, you know, quickly picked her up <laughs> and put her to stool. Here's a cookie, you know, um, called her pediatrician. She had had it six times that year. And so she was immune mm. to all medication. And so we literally had to nitpick it's where it comes from. We had to like literally pick the lice out of her hair. And if you missed one, the next day there were three more. So we're talking about mm. each individual strand of hair had to be like examined. And this was painstaking. I mean, this was for mm. her, for us, it was, it was insane. And my neighbor, because I did this out in the lawn on a stool, my neighbor saw what was going on, you know, talked to me from afar. <laughs> what are you doing over there? Um, and she brought us dinner. And I was like, wow, that's kind of genius. That that because yeah. here is the thing. You know, families have a baby in a church and there's all the things. There's the baby shower. There's the meal trains. There's, you know, what can I do? What can I do? You know, and I saw my neighbor get a foster baby, her first child ever. And it was crickets. And I was like, mm -hmm. no, no, no. Like the church needs to be showing up just as we do for birth families. We need to be showing up for foster families. So mm -hmm. I went to my elder board and they were like, here's your budget. And so we said, okay. So we got together one night. We made about 40 meals in three hours, put them in the freezer and, you know, contacted DCFS. Hey, this is what we're doing. If you know anybody that wants some meals, you know, we'll, we'll show up to them. And um, that's how it started. Wow, that is incredible. And genius, like you said, such a need there. Um, so from there, because I know you've been doing that for a number of years now, right? Yep, yep. we've been doing that since two, um, really started in the end of 2018, the planning of it all and, you know, getting our church on board, which every time we had a cooking night, we're talking hundreds of dollars worth of food. Our church provided every stitch of food. Like we never had to pay out of pocket for any food, which was awesome. Um, Obviously, COVID changed that, and I'll get to that in a second. So we started off with the meals, and then um, one of my first nights in care, uh, we had spinach and salmon. And my sister and I were like, well, we're going to starve here. Like, this is it. This is the mm -hmm. end. So one of the important aspects that we added was pizza. The first night kids mm -hmm. are in care, we get pizza delivered to the family. And that acts as a buffer in two ways. So the first one is that we, because we work with several churches in the area. So it tells us which church is going to do the next day delivery um, because it's time for that. But it also kind of helps the foster family to not have to focus on dinner that night because they're building beds, they're, you know, bonding, they're whatever's going on. They need that time. They don't need to be in the kitchen making dinner. And so we added the pizza in, which is a cool aspect. And then, so the next day, we have a delivery team. And actually, just today, we announced on, on social media that we are now expanding into Putnam County. So, wow, like, great. so cool. Um, we have Central Baptist Church in Pauling is now going to handle all of our Putnam County deliveries. So in Dutchess County, it is our church, which is Evangelical Free Church in Clinton Corners. And it is Vineyard Hopewell Church. And between our two, we cover all of Dutchess. And so I uh, make a call you know, whichever church is closest and 
The next day, the team, the delivery team from whichever church shows up with diapers, wipes. Um, we now have a sub-ministry called Project Cover Me, where um, this woman who wrote uh, The Knitting Way, her name is uh, Janice McDaniel, she started this sub-ministry, Project Cover Me, where she gets blankets donated or made. Um, and, and we had one little girl that lost her blankie. And there was like an all-out search in Duchess. Like everybody was like, look for this blankie. And she ended up finding it. Um, so wow. they like the kids eat this up. They love it. Uh, we also have treasure boxes, which are photo boxes in different designs, like dinosaurs and mermaids um, for all different age levels, kind of like Operation Christmas Child kind of thing. They're mm -hmm. filled with like trinkets and things like that for the kids, um, just so they can have the stuff, but also so they have a spot to put their stuff. You know, if they have something mm -hmm. that's super personal to them from like mom or whatever, like keep it in that box kind of thing. Um, and so we also show up with two more nights of no prep, no cleanup meals. And that's where COVID, you know, undid our homemade cooking. We now go to Sam's club and we have, uh, like two ready-made meals that are just, you just throw everything into the garbage, um, paper plates, plastic forks, plastic cups, you know, all 100% disposable so that, you know, there's no cleanup, there's no prep. It's just mom and dad focusing on what they need to focus on. Um, mm. and so that's, that's where we're at with that as far as like our delivery system. But we also have um, a monthly support group, and we've had some pretty cool characters on here. Oh, man. We had Tori Hope Peterson, um, who wrote the book mm -hmm. Fostered. Uh, she was at our support group one night. Um, Daniel Detail from One Simple Wish. Um, Jelana Gobel, um, Love Stretched Life. I mean, these are like, you know, they know their stuff. They know what they're talking yeah. about. So to be able to you know, say to these foster parents, hey, listen, we're going to hear from somebody who's been there, done that, you know, and they, they love it. They absolutely love it. So one family that had been attending the support group said, hey, this is going really well. I was a producer. I think you need to do a podcast. And I was yeah. like, no, <laughs> nope, I shut it down. And about six months later, God said yes. And so for Christmas, uh, my family got me all the gear, you know, um, all the, the whole nine, which was pretty cool to have their support in this. And um, so Fostering Our Faith podcast um, started several months ago. And it has been, we had Natalie on actually, she was my first guest, mm -hmm. which was so cool because like Yay. her and I go so far back. Um, and I mean, it's just, it's just been an awesome platform. And I think, and it's funny because we had um, Paul Hastings on from the Compelled podcast. And uh, like, when I'm first writing to him, I'm like, okay, God, like, why, why would like, because I feel like God just kind of shows me people to, to lean towards. And he was like, sure. And he's like, guess what? I just had this woman who had 200 foster kids on my podcast. And I was like, oh, well, there it is. <laughs> That's the connection. Okay, pretty cool. Um, and so that can be found wherever, you know, you listen to podcasts, fostering our faith. And um, yeah, and then and then about two years ago, um, I started writing a book. And the reason that I yeah. wrote the book is because I want people to know that Foster Blessings isn't about the stuff. It is not about the pizza. It's not about the boxes. It's not about, you know, whatever. It's about relationships and, and being there for each other, you know, and, and sharing the gospel. And, and I picture my 13-year-old self standing in my living room and the church shows up mm -hmm. and they're praying for me. Like what that would have done to reverse, you know, what, what I was hearing in school to bring hope and healing. And also, you know, I, I tell this story. So when you grow up in trauma, your adult life sometimes needs to be like perfect. And so our Christmases are extreme. They're very extreme because I didn't have Christmas growing up. Like, and I'll tell you this one story. So one year I wanted a caboodle. All my friends have them. They're putting their little like lipsticks in their compartments and like everything's going great, you know, with their with their caboodles and I don't have one. And so I'm like, mom, please, please, please. And she's like, you know, we'll see. We'll see. So Christmas morning, I wake up. I have one present under the tree and it's a caboodle, but it's broken. It's empty. It's not what I asked for. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> but I smiled and was like, OK, you know, whatever. And. Three, four years ago, uh, we do something called present closet on Christmas. We're like, at the end of the day, we're like, oh, look, this present came out of nowhere. Like, you know, and it's always like something that says, like, I listen to you. You know, like it might be a mm -hmm. pair of shoes that they talked about three months ago or something. And my kids and my husband got together and got me a 1980s caboodle with all of my makeup in it. 
Like, wow. And I mean, you want to talk about like just sobbing. <laughs> yeah. And and I wow. think that's like such an important part of healing is like going back and fixing the things that were broken, you know, and, and mm. getting a redo of it. Um, and so that that's a huge part of, of why I wrote the book is to say, hey, listen, you know, this may have been the case this for this many years, but now we're here and now let's redo it and let's revisit it and fix it and heal it. And that that was the major part of why I wrote the book. Wow. So when does it release and where can we find a copy? Um, so it'll be anywhere. Uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon. It's back in um, production because the back cover was printed um, wrong. And so they have to redo that. I actually have physical copies here, but they're wrong. So I don't want to like hand them out. And I'm like, I look at them and I'm like, ah, it's so close. Um, so coming soon. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll be at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Audible, the whole nine. Wow. Love that. So, and we'll make sure that we promote, we we put links and things to all of, all of the things that you're talking about. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you about, I'm very interested in, uh, you develop some church curriculum for children with special needs. So tell us about that. Yep. So our, like I said, our two youngest, uh, one is autistic and the other one has NAS. And we are at church pre-COVID. And I'm in the nursery with Justin, who's three, about three. And I have to go sing with the older kids. I have to teach them a song. So I just left him in our church nursery while I come back. And he had not aggressively, but probably because the lights are overstimulating and the toys were really loud, he had scratched another kid. Like he wasn't angry. He wasn't, you know, whatever, but he had done it. And I just left. It was a weird thing because when I walked in, everybody was quiet, you know, and like nobody wanted to tell me. It's completely awkward. And I just, I remember I took him, I went out of the church and I just sobbed in my car because I'm like, nobody understands how to handle a special needs kid at church right? Like there's no one-on-one, there's nothing of that. So COVID happens, you know, and we go back to church and he's just not able to sit in the children's church. You know, if he's got glue, it's all over the place. You know, if he's got scissors, he actually just cut his brother's hair two days ago. (laughs) Oh, cut it so bad. Um, You know, so we have to be like hyper vigilant with him. And so again, I go to my elder board, which sometimes I think they like roll their eyes at me. They're like, can you just stop? Here she comes again. <laughs> like, oh, geez. So um, I went to them. I'm like, listen, like, I think that we need something separate for kids who are on the spectrum, have ADD, you know, can't sit for that traditional 45 minutes. And here's your budget. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, so I sat down and I went through like the typical Bible stories and I wrote out an eight week curriculum complete with like activities and games and things like that. But it's a repeating eight week curriculum and it all points back to Jesus because, Mm -hmm. you know, kids, especially on the spectrum, love repetition. So to feed them something new constantly is overwhelming. Um, and so when we, it's called all in. And so when we are in there, you know, it is, we start worship off together with all the kids, that's all started together. And then when you get to the part where you'd actually have to sit, we separate and we are playing the floor is lava for five minutes. And then we're learning a verse and then we're playing basketball. And then, you know, we're doing the lesson and it's a constant movement where they're not having to sit for that long. So here's the kicker. This started about nine months ago. We've had six kids in there. Every single kid was adopted. Wow. So if that doesn't speak to trauma mm-hmm. affecting you yeah. know, it, it's, it's incredible. That is wonderful. So what age ranges in, in, in the class now? Um, I mean, really, it's any from four to I would say maybe 11. I think uh, 12 is the cutoff for our traditional children's church. Um, but I mean, if we had an older kid that, you know, couldn't sit in church, I mean, I, I would be willing to tweak, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Um, but it has been I've gotten more feedback from the parents that say, I just wanted to sit in church and not worry and not think like, what is he doing? What is he doing? What are they doing? What are they doing? You know, kind of thing. And and so that's where it's been for me, like the most powerful is that the parents get to go to church. Yeah. And, and you know, hearing Jessica's Sunday is Justin's favorite day of the week. Like Aww. he loves church. He loves it. And so, you know, he'll sit and worship and I'll, our pastor, I have to give him so much credit because when I first came to him about this, he got up in front of the church and he said, I want to tell you guys something. He said, 
we're going to have some kids that are going to come to our church. And, you know, my son wears headphones during worship because it's super loud. And he's like, we're going to have some kids and they, they're going to be wearing headphones and they might actually be on a device. You know, they might have to sit on the floor or be under a blanket. He's like, they're going to not look like the typical child. And he's like, you're going to look at me. You're not going to look sideways. You're not going to like, mm, you know, to the parents, right. like, you're going to look at me. And I remember just sitting there as he's talking, just crying mm. because I don't think a lot of churches get this, right. you know, they don't get it. And it's so important and it's so needed. And we've been able to work um, with Mark Milano's, um think differently campaign, you know, to get word out and things. So it's, it's been, it's been awesome, you know, yeah. and, and the kids are awesome. You know, they get so excited. We have music playing when they come in, you know, so they're like, they come in all pumped up, like ready to do church and, mm. you know, and it's not stressful for them. You know, it's, it took the stress off the kids too. Yeah. So it, it has been an awesome time. Yeah. I love that because I've also noticed like with my own kids, um, they didn't, as they got a little bit older, they didn't fit in with um their like neurotypical peers because partly because they were um you know uh skill wise reading that kind of thing they were at a much lower grade level um so they didn't like going into the the traditional class because they didn't feel like they fit in so when everybody was going around the circle reading or they had to write things or whatever they they just you know, they felt very awkward and didn't want to fit in, you know, then one of them was always like, I'm not going with the little kids where they would have fit in better with younger kids. He wasn't having that. So it's like they fall through the cracks as they get older, because they don't quite fit. So I love your vision and what you've rolled out doing. And and um, I can see where you could bring that to, to older, older kids too, and, and, and upper grade levels and things. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's the vision yeah. is to like, you know, and even just to get other churches, um, my daughter's church actually just, you know, because my daughter teaches children's church quite frequently. And she went to the director and was like, hey, my mom has this thing, you might want to check it out because like the three kids that are in there that are disrupting the whole class, you know, they would do better in something like this where they're still learning, right? you know, but they have a fidget spinner, right? <laughs> and they right. have like a, you know, they got all the things that they need to yeah. focus, you know, yeah. kind of thing. So important, so important. And that way the parents can get what they need, but the children are being adequately supported and getting what they need without being like in trouble all the time. So I think that's wonderful. Love what you're doing. Um, you've got so much going on, Angela. Do you have a website or a blog? A blog or like, how can we find you? Um, we do have a blog. It's Foster Blessings um, on Blogger, and really Instagram is our mm -hmm. avenue. That's where most people contact us through. Um, or our phone number is eight four five. 516-4218. That is the Foster Blessings phone number. Um, but really Instagram, that, that's our place. And that's um, and it's and that's at, um, at Foster Blessings is where they would follow. Yep. It's Foster underscore Blessings EFC as an evangelical free church. Awesome. Love it. Love it. And we'll make sure that we put links to everything in the show notes for this episode. Um, and I could talk to you forever, but I know we both have other other commitments um, coming up on the top of the hour. So I did want to ask you as we wrap up, um, you know, because you've been, you were a youth in, in care, you have fostered, you've adopted, you get the whole picture here. Um, and our listeners are primarily foster and adoptive parents. Um, would you share some words of encouragement um, for our listeners today? Yep. So, you know, like I said, people often ask, you know, would we go back and do it again? And I say in a heartbeat, absolutely. Is it hard? Absolutely. Uh, it's not the, we didn't pick the easy road and we know that. Um, but I also want, you know, foster parents or even future foster parents to understand that this goes so much deeper than the child. You know, foster care is not just about the kids. It is about the caseworker. It is about the birth family. It's about the judge. It is about all the people that you are going to have in your world that you can encourage, that you can help by being a good foster parent, right? Like doing the paperwork that you have to do on time. Don't make them nag you, you know, kind of thing. Um, so you are not just, you know, raising one child. You are essentially helping an entire system of people to get this child to be where he needs to be. You know, we had a couple long-term placements that that went home and it it hurt it hurt like you know especially walking in you see the crib and you know like it it was hard 
Um, but for the most part, you know, we know that we did the hard thing, but we know we did the good thing. And we know that these kids are better for, you know, for us stepping in. We know the parents are better because now they're able to raise their kids better. You know, they have tools that they didn't have before. And and really just to be able to say, you know, you can do this to a birth parent. That That to me is just is it, you know, not, this isn't about going in for adoption. If adoption becomes a viable option, that's, you know, that's how it is. But for the most part, like getting behind those birth parents and just saying, you can do this, let's do this together. What do you need for me? You know, and encouraging the relationship between, and I've said this so often, the relationship between the child and the birth parent is so severed during foster care that they generally get like one hour a week, Mm. which means that the rest of that time, that child is bonding with you. So anything you can do to reinforce that bond between birth parent and child, you know, whether that be pictures, whether that be, you know, whatever your, your county allows, I know different counties, allow different things, but you know, we had one of our kids, his mom was coming to our house and like giving him a bath and coming to dinner so she could feed him. And like, you know, she she was essentially able to raise him better because we didn't just cut her off and say, no, you know, like we're just raising him. Um, so it's about getting into the world of everybody around you. It's not just the kids. Yeah. And that's that's a that's a very important piece of ministry, right? It's yes, you're taking children, but let's not forget the parents. And I I think, Angela, because you have that unique perspective, you were a parent who had a child placed for a temporary amount of time. You have such compassion and empathy and can can understand that. Um, And we need to, I think, be able to see through your eyes a bit there and see that that's such a viable, important part of this ministry. Let's not Wherever possible, let's not discount those parents. Let's come alongside and encourage them. Love that. Love that. Love what you're doing. Um, And just uh, grateful for what you're doing for the foster and adoption community with, goodness, the curriculum and your book coming out and your blog and your podcast and foster blessings, how you're coming alongside and supporting families when they get placements. You're doing so many things. You're a get her done kind of person, I can tell. (laughs) Love it all. And I just thank you so much. We'll make sure that we put links to everything in our show notes so folks can find you. You're based down there in Dutchess County, down in the Hudson Valley region of New York State. Um, So we're kind of sort of neighbors and I'm hoping to see you this weekend at a conference coming up. So Thank you so much, Angela, for all that you're doing and for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. This has been awesome. Thanks. Wow. What a great conversation. Love just everything that Angela is doing, you know, seeing the need, stepping in there, whether it's bringing those meals to to parents, getting a new placement, to creating a Sunday school curriculum for children with special needs. Um, Love her passion, love her drive. I hope you'll check out her blog and her book and all the things. We'll put those links in the show notes, of course, like I said. Um, Grateful, just grateful for all that she's doing. And hey, thank you. Grateful for you for listening today to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. I hope you were encouraged. I know I was encouraged by Angela's story and all that she's doing downstate in in New York. I always want to say upstate because that's where I am. I'm upstate. She's downstate um, in the Hudson Valley region. Um, So I hope you'll check out what she she has to offer there. We'd also like to equip you for your journey. So if you would like to learn more about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, how to apply the neurobehavioral model, um, how to accommodate your kiddos for success, you'll want to take advantage of the training that we offer. Um, And again, coming up just this Thursday within a couple of days here of listening, um, May 11th at 1 p.m. Eastern time, I'm teaching a free lunch and learn intro to FASD. And if you want a little more than that, on Wednesday, May 24th at 7 p.m. Eastern, I am leading a three-hour deep dive into FASD um, using the FACETS Neurobehavioral Model. Um, These are online trainings, and every month I do a lunch and learn and a three-hour Uh, But also coming up starting June 1st, Thursday, June 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern, it's the first of six sessions, six three-hour sessions. So it's 18 hours of content altogether. It's the deepest 
deep dive we have into FASD using the facets neurobehavioral model. Um, so you can check that out as well. Um, we offer certificates of completion for all of our workshops. And again, like I mentioned earlier, if you are a social worker licensed in New York, we now offer CEUs as well. Uh, to register for any of our workshops, go to our website, justicefororphansny.org. Click on events for uh, workshops that are that you can register for right now. Um, click on training and then the drop down for FASD to just see all of the resources and workshop options that we have in case you're interested in booking um, an online or in-person workshop for yourself or your group or your agency or your school. Um, we can do all of those things. Um, you can also, if you have questions and you're like, I don't know, I want this, but can you do this? You can email me directly. Uh, my email is Sandra Flack at justicefororphansny.org. And you can contact me if you have questions or see if you want something a little bit more personalized. Also, don't forget the Hope for the FASD Journey Virtual Support Community. It is for parents and caregivers of kiddos with an FASD, whether they are diagnosed or not. If you just suspect this, if the stuff that we've been talking about on this podcast resonates with you, you can check out our support community. Um, it is faith-based. We talk about our faith. We, you know, we rely on Jesus as a big part of, you know, the key part of staying the course in this journey and being supported and being able to do this work. Um, we pray for each other. So our faith is talking about a lot. So that is a faith-based um, support group. Um, so you can check that out also on the website. Um, and again, if you enjoy this show, be sure to let us know by leaving a review. If you're listening, especially on Apple, um, leave us a five-star review. That is huge for us. Also subscribe and let your fellow adoptive and fostering friends know so they can listen and be encouraged and equipped too. Also, Find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. Um, also me, Sandra Flack. I am also on Facebook and Instagram. So I hope you look me up there as well. And again, I am so grateful that you spent your valuable time with me today. I am thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast. Brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. And share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.